7.35. 25 years ago, the Union of Concerned Scientists published a World Scientist Warning to Humanity with 1,700 signatures aiming to wake up humanity to a looming crisis. On the anniversary of that initial warning, that was actually last October, over 15,000 scientists issued another notice that humanity has failed to make sufficient progress in generally solving um, foreseen environmental challenges. And alarmingly, most of them are getting far worse. We are seeing all around us now a cloak of air pollution. It's just one indicator. Many others that could be even more damaging or more immediately threatening, but it's certainly a very visible indication of of how our society and societies around us have put us all in harm's way. The way we live our lives, the way we consume, the way we allow industries to provide us with the things that we need. Rex Whaler is an ecologist, former director of the original Greenpeace Foundation, co-founder of Greenpeace International in 1979, now joins us on the line from Canada. Thank you very much for speaking with us. My pleasure. I mean, immediately people will hear the Greenpeace tag, of course, and they'll they'll think, oh, well, of course this guy's going to tell us um, that we should care more about the environment. What, what would you say to people who are, you know, just immediately sceptical, for example? Well, of course people are sceptical. I'm sceptical myself at times and uh, because our culture teaches us uh, that uh, it's okay to consume, that we have no limits, uh, no, one, no one can slow down human progress and so forth. And the environmental awareness that's blossoming on Earth today is, is telling us something else. So the data, scientific data, is telling us something else, that there really are limits and that we have to obey them like every other living creature on Earth. And in that particular way, we don't get to rewrite the laws of nature or the, or the laws of biology or physics. We're, we have to abide by the way the world really works. Can you give us a little bit more historical background here? Uh, so it was 1992 scientists issued that first notice. What, what were the main headlines, if you could sum up? Well, uh, earlier in that year, 1992, uh, a, a, corp, uh, a group of corporations in Europe published something called the Heidelberg Appeal, which, which was essentially an anti-environmental statement uh, claiming that... Um, environmental concerns were irrational, that the fear of poisons and toxins in our environment was irrational. Uh, the tobacco company and other corporations supported this statement. Uh, they called ecology an irrational ideology and so forth. So the Union of Concerned Scientists felt necessary to respond to that corporate statement uh, and make uh, a statement about what was really, what the data was actually showing us uh, about the limits to growth and the limits to the resources on Earth. And so they drafted this first uh, warning to humanity in 1992. Uh, warnings had existed before the Limits to Growth study came out in 1972 uh, and other warnings uh, prior to that. Uh, and this, But this particular warning also carried with it, uh, signed by 1,700 scientists, including most of the scientific uh, Nobel Prize laureates, but they specifically made some recommendations that we move away from fossil fuels toward renewable energy, that we need to cut greenhouse gases so that we don't 
uh, make climate change any worse, that we avoid putting toxins in our environment, uh, poisons in our environment, that the threat is real, that it's not irrational, as the, as the corporate statement said, and finally, that we stabilize human population. Now, back when this uh, statement was first written in 1992, there were two billion less people on the planet. And they were warning us then that we need to stabilize human population. Reduce consumption, stabilize population. Of course, you're talking now to a country here in South Korea where we have a chronically low birth rate. So that part of the message is not something that we necessarily need to be um, desperately worried about here. Uh, Perhaps we need to still find ways to boost that birth rate. But... But we are seeing all sorts of problems around us. Uh, it's not just human beings that are producing less in South Korea. Uh, insects, too, around the world. In fact, in Germany, insect biomass has declined by 75% in less than three decades. So basically since that first warning was issued. And that's just uh, based on uh, one country's study. But it's an indicator of just how dire this situation is and that's a country that's not particularly associated with with the kind of pollution that we see elsewhere in the world um can you tell us some of the key problems addressed in this second notice from last october well yeah biodiversity of course was was number one or was one of the most important and and the the biodiversity collapse is very very real uh one piece of data we should understand is that humans and our domestic animals, that's humans and our cattle uh, uh, and pets, comprise 98.5% of the Earth's mammal biomass. So humans have expanded across the planet and limited the habitat for every other animal, every other species on Earth. And so you mentioned the the, uh, die-off of insects, which is very concerning because many of those insects uh, provide services to humanity in terms of pollination uh, and uh, the bee the bee collapse for example uh, hurts uh, human agriculture um, we're currently in the most severe biodiversity crisis in 65 million years the last time earth experienced this level of biodiversity collapse was when a meteorite hit earth 65 million years ago and wiped out the dinosaurs. Uh, The current extinction rate on Earth right now is a thousand times, approximately a thousand times the background rate. We all know that species go out of existence from time to time, but currently species are going out of existence a thousand times faster than that background rate. That rate of species collapse is accelerating uh, and it's not just about extinction. It's also about just, as you mentioned with the insects, it's about the depletion of even the common uh, species. The vertebrates have been reduced by 30% in the last 40 years. Fish, amphibians, reptiles, and mammals have been reduced by 60% in the last 50 years. Birds as well, collapse of the bird species, fish, and so forth. So that's a huge issue for for us on Earth, and uh, we have to understand not just we love these animals and they have a right to live here, but also these animals provide uh, many services uh, to humans, uh, and an ecosystem needs all these parts. We can't have, there is no ecosystem without diversity. On the plus side, um, the ozone layer, for example, has been 
repairing itself. And, and this is after decades of warnings about that. So it shows that people can change behavior and that can make a difference. Yeah, and what, what lessons can we take from that to, to solve a number of these other problems? Well, because of the, what, what was the, the Montreal Protocol, uh, the, uh, the ozone problem uh, began to get solved. And uh, that was in uh, 1987 that the UN uh, passed that Montreal Protocol and essentially ended the uh, emissions or reduced the emissions of CFC, the chlorofluorocarbons, into the atmosphere. And so the ozone layer has been recovering. What that tells us is that if nations come together and actually um, make a commitment uh, to change our industrial habits and our consumption habits, uh, that we can do that, but it takes the moral courage and the political courage to actually do so. And what we've witnessed, for example, with um, global warming, is that after 30 years of climate meetings, uh, our greenhouse gas emissions have continued to increase. After 30 years of climate meetings, those climate meetings have produced no positive results in emissions. Mm. And that so, and therefore, as a result, the, the Earth's temperature has continued to rise because of our greenhouse gas emissions. So we have to, what one thing that the ozone protocol tells us is that we have to make serious commitments and then have an international body uh, to uh, make sure that all the nations follow that commitment. Yeah, here in this country, the government just um, was talking this week about shutting down coal uh, coal powered plants for a few weeks from March, which may make right. our difference, but uh, hopefully the, the, the bigger change will come with the switching over to clean energy. The, the thing is, I mean, you talked about the political courage there. Are you frustrated how this has become conservatives versus liberals, that the person, the stereotype of the person who cares about these kinds of issues seems to be completely out of touch with the uh, the reality of the average Joe who consumes and eats and spends like a so-called normal person. <laughs> so-called normal, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, it's, there's a, there I seems to be a PR problem I think, here. I think in a sense we are, all, we, we are all responsible. We all feel responsible. We all consume stuff. And so... Um, I think that's a misunderstanding in a way that, that ecology is a, is a liberal issue. I actually consider myself a conservative. I think conserving our environment, I think conserving the, the ecosystems that we live in and conserving our productive habitats is the most conservative notion of all. And that we can't have an economy without an ecosystem. We can't have an economy without a healthy earth. That if we, if we consume beyond Earth's ability to, to restore itself and to restore the resources we use, we're going to wreck our economy. We're going to crash our economy. And we are already seeing evidence of that. We're already seeing how hard it is now to grow our economy. Uh, we've depleted, we've used up all the best of every resource. We high-grade everything. We took the best trees. We've taken the, most, uh, the best oil and gas. Uh, we've taken the best minerals, the easiest to get the least expensive to get, uh, and so now it's getting more expensive and more difficult uh, t 
to mine copper and to retrieve oil and gas from the ground uh, and to harvest uh, good wood from the forest and so forth. So we're already experiencing the economic impact of uh, degrading our ecosystem. Rex Whaler, former director of the original Greenpeace Foundation, co-founder of Greenpeace International, thank you very much for speaking with us. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Pleasure to speak with you. Likewise. And again, to our listeners, I personally know what it's like when, when you have somebody who's you know, perhaps living up to that stereotype in your mind of someone who's constantly campaigning about environmental issues and, and you start to become desensitized to that message and it's too easy to fall into a, an ordinary routine. What does it take for us all to, to stand up, change our habits and do something? Is it, is it watching our kids having to wear masks on the way to school? Is that the moment? Or is it the moment uh, we start seeing the real implications of this the the changing weather events the the health impacts of air pollution i'd love to hear your thoughts on that because if decades haven't made the big difference what is going to make the big difference pounder sharp 1013 for 51 per message